Welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast, a resource for inspiration and encouragement while you're on your path to purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is hosted by Wakia Hayward, that's me, and Barbara Wade, two middle-aged sisters who are passionate about having honest, open conversations with each other and special guests about faith, transparency, and living a life of purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is rooted in the Christian faith, and we believe that we are all made for a reason and with intention. However, it's up to us to pursue our purpose. By exploring the four foundational pillars of DARE, which are decisions, actions, results, and evaluations, we're hoping that women will be motivated to actively pursue their own purpose journeys. Join us as we learn together that it's never too late to be great. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the Data Pivot Podcast. Uh, my name is Wakia Hayward. I am your host. Hey, and this is Barbara Wade. And so, look, I'm, first let me just say, Barbara was here last week for herself. So, I am so, so, so happy I am back. I am happy to have you back. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, and tonight, our special guest is Tracy, Tracy um, Burslin. Am I saying it right, Tracy? Tracy Breslin. Uh-huh. Okay, I just want to make sure I'm saying it. Okay, so Tracy is a mom, a wife. Um, she's an artist. She actually works. Um, she's actually, I would say, a church, a behind-the-scenes church insider, because you've been working in churches for, I think you said, like, 20-something years? Yeah, on and off for about 20, on and off for about 28 years. I would take a break, and then I'd work at a church, and then I'd take a break. <laughs> but it's only been two churches, so... Oh my goodness. So yeah, so I think that it was actually fantastic. And I'm so excited because I know that you're here today to talk to us um, about the impacts of grief on, you know, yourself, your faith, and your relationships. Yeah. So welcome so much to the podcast. We are so Thank happy you. to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for coming to talk about such a, a, a topic that just... Um, requires a lot of vulnerability. So I thank you for being willing to share. Absolutely. It is my yeah. pleasure. Yeah. And I definitely think it's going to be timely just due to the fact that with COVID, so many people have gone through so much loss and our experience so much, you know, just trauma. So yeah. I just think that anybody, any kind of tools of the trade to help overcome is going to be such a great thing. So please tell us your story and, and, and leave us where you want to go. Yeah, so my name is Tracy, and uh, as you guys said, I'm a, um, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I've been married for 28 years to a guy I met in high school who we hated each other, but found out later we really didn't, um, so we've been married for 28 years, uh, we have been so fortunate to have a son, uh, he's almost 13, and he's the reason my hair is falling out, but I've accepted it. Um, <laughs> he keeps me on my toes. Um, and uh, like, as you said, I've been working for the church, uh, mainly the Assembly of God, uh, just two churches, actually, that um, my previous church, I worked there on and off for about 28 years. And I've been at my current church for, um, for a year. And so uh, just just thankful to have the job that I have and work with the folks that I that I'm working with, and it's been it's been a joy. Um, 
my story really, I was grown, I grew up um, in a household full of chaos. Um, Mom was a, what I would say a severe case of bipolar, but undiagnosed. Um, Now looking back after reading articles and kind of researching it, um, she was mentally and physically abusive. And she also mentally and physically abused my father, who was very meek and a mild-mannered man. Um, And at the age of 13, uh, my dad took his life. Um, I came home from a camping trip with some friends. I went with her parents. And um, when I came back, my mom said, you know, your dad's been gone for a couple hours and he's not back yet. And she was having an episode. Um, She was severely addicted to prescription drugs, which would hype her up really bad. And she would just go on a rampage. Um, And my dad was missing for three years before they found him. So um, those three years without him there, I basically was kind of left on my own. Um, and so when they did find him, I just graduated from high school. And I think I knew that he, I knew that he was, he had to be dead because I did, you know, there's no way he's going to miss my birthdays. There was no way he's going to miss my graduation. Like I, I knew, uh, we just didn't know what had happened. Um, and even my aunt hired like a private investigator to see if she could find, you know, um, and he actually committed suicide near the Lowe's Motor Speedway, uh, which is kind of sandwiched in between Concord and Charlotte. And literally now is kind of my backyard where I live now. Um, and so I never really grieved my dad. Um, I didn't grieve my childhood. Um, and as years went on, each time someone passed away, Um, that grief was just, things kept getting pushed down, pushed down. Whenever they found my dad, my mom, it like, it was on the news. It was in the newspaper. Like it was a big deal at the time because this was like in 80, um, this was in 88 when it happened. And my mom was basically, you know, do not cry about him in front of me. And I think a lot of that was guilt on her part, looking kind of back on it now. And you know, life happens, you know, you get married and you go about your life. And I was, I was fortunate enough. I was not raised in church, but I was fortunate enough. I, at the age of 18, I went out on my own. Like I couldn't live at home anymore. So I was going to have to work a couple of jobs. And the first assembly, uh, it was first assembly in Concord, North Carolina, when um, they had a job for a daycare teacher. And uh, the person who hired me is now like my bonus mom. She was a women's pastor for the longest time there. And um, she kind of took me in and kind of helped really raise me, I think, Mm -hmm. and was really just there. And even though, but I was really messed up and I didn't think, I don't think I realized how messed up I was Mm -hmm. um, until about six years ago, uh, three close family members died within a year of each other. Mm -hmm. And that's when I went through a downward spiral Um, because I never really dealt with my dad's death. And I went to counseling on and off, but 
I think I was the person that would go to counseling and say, say what they wanted me to say, all the right things, you know, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, but I really was not good. Mm-hmm. And um, my brother-in-law, um, six years ago, he had been in my life since I was nine. And he would come and rescue me a lot when my mom was on a rampage, like you had to leave the house, it wasn't safe. And so he and my sis- him and my sister would come and pick me up and make sure I was safe, you know, for a couple of days until my mom would get out of that rage. And he ended up having a rare disease called good pastures disease. And he was sick for 17 years. Hmm. And um, the last two months of his life, um, gracious, I'm trying not to cry through this. Okay. It was every day, like I was working at UNCC at the time, and I would go to work, go to the hospital, see him, and he was just in agony, and he was wasting away, uh, struggling to breathe. There was just so many complications that he had had, and um, you know, he'd been sick for 17 years. I think we knew at that point, you know, he wasn't going to make it. And um, so for two months, like I literally would go to work, go see him in the hospital. And I used to be this big music lover and I turned off my music. It was just like, I had to process. And um, he did pass away. And then six months later, my mother-in-law had an aneurysm and she literally bled out. Mm. Um, It was a horrific... It just was horrific. And then shortly after that, my great aunt, who had been like a mom to me, like bought my wedding dress, my prom, first school dance, like she was there for all those big moments. And I think that's when I finally had hit rock bottom. Um, the grief literally just took over and it took over my life, like huge. And I became somebody that I didn't recognize, but I kind of wonder if I was that person all along. It just never really came out, um, never manifested the way, way it had at that point. And just went into a horrible depression um, and started coping in very unhealthy ways. And it took about three years for me to get my life back on track um, to the point. And, and it's funny now, I'm kind of starting the grieving process over mm. because one of the things, and this is something that uh, my friend Shauna and Nate, uh, they're pastor our church here and talking about kind of leaning into that grief. Mm-hmm. And so I've been in counseling for a year. Um, I'm also going through some grief counseling. I mean, yeah, this has been years, you know, six years ago, but I lost a lot during that time. And it's almost, I feel like, and I don't think there's a right way to grieve. I mean, I don't, when I say, cause I think, you know, I didn't grieve well, and now I want to grieve well. And I think what that looks like is really allowing yourself to go back there. Mm-hmm. and it's okay to talk about those memories and it's okay to have those feelings and I felt like for the longest time I had to be like no everything's good 
because we believe in God and it's almost like we're Christian. So we're Christians, right? And so it should be this whole thing. Well, God's got me. God's got me. Well, he does. But I think we've been too much pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, kind of suck it up. Mm -hmm. And that only leads to destruction. Mm. And so that's kind of my story in a big old nutshell. <laughs> so you've so, so thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing those very personal details to your family, um, to your yourself and, and about your family. Yeah. Um, you said quite a few things that have just made me want to 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 ask you a couple more details if you don't mind. Absolutely. So um, when you say um, coping in unhealthy ways and um, it can be as creative as you feel comfortable with explaining what that is, I only ask because um, you know to, to be helpful, we want to make sure that we're all on the same, have the same understanding. And I yeah. can tell you that all of us don't know what unhealthy ways are. I think if, yeah, yeah. if, if everybody had the same meaning, <laughs> then maybe we all wouldn't be doing the things that we're doing. But just to help those uh, visualize and know what you know, a an unhealthy coping mechanism is. Could sure. Share what some of those things were. Yeah, and I think for me, um, it, it was all over the page. And I think it can be the same for anybody. You know, it's it's funny because it can be anything from vegging out in front of Netflix for mm -hmm. three or four weeks at a time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, not picking up the phone, not showering, not mm -hmm. reaching out to anybody. Uh, one for me, that was one. Uh, food has always been an addiction for me. Like it's always been... And, and I say that, and it's so funny because, you know, it's, I used to do a group, uh, and actually I led the group before all this happened, and it was a program to kind of help people who were dealing with strongholds in their lives, and, you know, at the time, the only thing I'd ever dealt with really was food, mm -hmm. and I remember some of the people that were in the program were like, well, you don't know what it's like because I've been doing heroin. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, though, <sighs> addiction's addiction, sin is sin. I said, you know, after church, we would not think as Christians after church, we could all go out and eat a big old buffet and just stuff ourselves to the max and feel like we're okay because it was like socially acceptable. But a heroin addict is looked so far down upon. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I feel like I've done everything from um, food spin issues, uh, depression and just hiding out spin issues. Um, shopping mm -hmm. is another unhealthy way. Um, and at the time, and just kind of being transparent, like I was on medication for um some back issues and sleep disorder. And it came to the point where it just got unhealthy to where I started leaning too much on those things. And so it was, it ran the whole gamut. Okay. 
anything just to kind of be like numb out. Okay. Okay. And so, and then you become after a while, whether it is just binge watching for weeks at a time or months at a time or whatever, whatever it is, because it could be alcohol, drugs, food, shopping. Uh, some people deal with sex issues. I mean, it, it could run the whole gamut. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's anything to kind of make you numb out. You don't have to feel those feelings at all. Okay. All right. So it's anything that diverts your energy and your yeah. attention away from your feelings. Yes. And it could Absolutely. be one thing or a combination of things. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. And I think for some people, it may be what's accessible to them. Right. You know. It might be how they choose, you mean? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think I I definitely think that's so good because I think I love how you brought in the fact of just sitting around eating all day or watching TV all day. Right. It looks it looks um different. (laughs) I think I think the thing is different, but the end result is still the same. And I think the result was the thing that you was really trying to make sure we pay attention to, right? It's that like Barbara said, the whole disconnected. Yeah. 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 Because I think if you stay disconnected and you can't lean into, you can't lean into the grief. And and I think grief, it's not just people passing away, but it's also mm-hmm. loss of a life that you thought you should have, or you did have uh, a divorce or something. Like I've never, I've never been divorced, but my mom was remarried like four times. So I could kind of see, mm-hmm. you know, what that looked like. Um, even friendships. Uh, you know, we had some lifelong friends and um, my circumstance, because I mean, there was like a couple months, like I really did not answer the phone unless you were like three people. And it basically, you know, that friendship started to kind of pull apart. Mm-hmm. And then there was loss of the friendship. And when you vacation together and you hang out together and you go to school plays of the kids and everything else, you know, that's that's a that's a variety of grief as well Mm. Mm. so that's that's a great indicator for people to to help people recognize whether it's you personally or someone in your circle yeah that you care about um yeah that's certainly a sign so that's 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 very helpful so what was was there a person or an event that um, at that six-year point that um, you had those tremendous, because I I think you've had um, grief, definitely grief leading up to six years, but it was something in that time frame where you had those three intensive losses. Was there a person, an event that helped you pivot to a place of recognizing these unhealthy coping yeah. mechanisms and yeah. helping you to decide to change or see yeah. that. I, um, so it's been six years ago since that last death and three years I've kind of got my life back. But so uh, three years ago, I finally decided I'm looking like God gave us this beautiful boy that we prayed and prayed and prayed for. And there was a promise of him. Um, Mm -hmm. 
when we went years without having any children and not thinking we could. Mm. And I was missing his life. Mm. And I'm watching my husband, like I felt um, he was becoming a single parent. Mm. And I just was like, I got to get out of this. Like God didn't bring me this far to let me go. Mm -hmm. and uh my friend Shauna and at the time she was in Baltimore but she really walked me through um man she was there a hundred percent of the way and that that's one thing I tell you you will find out though who can hang in there with you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and even though she was in Baltimore and I'm in North Carolina um she held my hand all the way and um, I had these other two friends that were pastors at another church who used to be on staff at the church that I was going to at the time that I'd worked at at the time. And I knew they knew my history. Um, they knew who I was as a person. They, they knew my background. And I was like, all right, I got these three ladies and a husband that literally would fight for me. And they did. Mm-hmm. And I slowly got pulled out and it's so funny because it's like once you're out of it because if you go through like a really bad depression or you know or or however you've coped with something you've been missing life for a while and then it's all of a sudden it's like you wake up and you look around and you're like oh I'm okay like okay there's my husband there's my kid all right here's my friends right here yeah, life is good. Mm-hmm. Life is great. Mm-hmm. But then you realize there's been collateral damage. Yeah. Like everybody's not okay. Mm. And you can't just, you can't just pick up and say, okay, y'all, well, look, I'm back. Let's go. You know, I'm out of the bed. Or, you know, um, I washed my hair today. Let's go out and join the world. Because, you know, everybody kind of takes whiplash. It's like, oh my gosh. Right. Oh, you're back. Well, we've been kind of living this life. Right. And so, you know, it was, uh, it was really eye opening and it took me about three or four months to realize the impact that it made. Mm-hmm. Um, on friends around me, my family and, you know, and, and at that time when my sister lost her husband, I think it fractured our whole family. Our family was already fractured and dysfunctional. Like it already was. And what it did, it was catalyst for just an explosion. And I think I kept trying to pick my sister up during that time and her grief and making sure she was okay. So when I reached down to pull her out, I kind of got pulled in. And, and also at that time where these deaths are going on, I was heavily active in the church. Um, and there were demands, you know, as, even as a volunteer, well, you need to be at this because you're a leader. You need to be at this because you're a leader. And I did some stuff that was up front. And for me, I always felt like if you're up front, if you have a microphone at any time, you got to work that much harder and you need to be at everything. And I couldn't say no to people. Mm. And that also kept me busy so I wouldn't have to think. Right. And so um, 
so those were kind of those were kind of some of the those were kind of some of the things that I felt like kind of kind of made things worse yeah. because I wasn't able really to sit still and hang on like explore the grief being that it was like go 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 you got to work you got to be at this you got to be at this you got to be at this and mm-hmm. what this whole experience has taught me is it is okay to say no even to good things right that's a good lesson to learn yeah <laughs> huge yeah, that, I think that's just the lesson we need to learn in all things, right? I think because it's like sort of certain steps to get you to that point, you know, just yeah. that overwhelmed feeling. Yeah. If we get to a place where we can learn to just not to say yes to all good things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, everything is that's good is not good for us. True. Exactly. Um, and so sometimes it's timing. Yeah. And sometimes it's just what the activity is. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I recall that feeling, and you talk about ministry of having the young kids. Yeah, um, and when it is just that dread, and I'll just talk about for me the dread of having another day that has to be uh, a militant schedule, like it's a work day. Mm-hmm. Then I'm thinking, hey, something must be wrong, you know. So. Is there a way for me to be involved in ministry and still have a day of rest? Yeah. Like there has to be, because Sunday, and and it took me, I'll tell you, decades for me to realize as an adult that being in ministry should not preclude you from making Sunday a day of rest. Absolutely. And I know, in, in retrospect, I know I did not live that because my mother was a pastor and so Sunday was her mega work day yeah and so I didn't see Sunday as a day of rest so when I had my own family and it was just preparing the kids and still serving that I still didn't see Sunday as a day of rest and it wasn't until you know the close to burnout phase super negative attitude like it's Friday evening at 6 30 you know but I've been working all week that attitude that comes with exhaustion yeah I'm having that on a Sunday like yep. come on now some <laughs> some lesson needs to be learned really quickly so um, true you know and so just acknowledging you know being willing to be honest with myself like man your attitude is foul and, you know, it's been a day with your whole family. It's been a day serving, like, why is this the case? Yeah. So it, it's just forcing myself to delve into those feelings, <laughs> picking yeah. it apart. What is it? It's not that God's not good. It's not that church isn't good. It isn't that my family isn't good. It's that I can't afford to make this physical, emotional investment in this season of my life. Yeah. My children at this age. Yeah. Um, to serve in this capacity and just being okay with that. And it, yeah. most knows it did not last forever. That season went really yeah. fast <laughs> when I couldn't go because my kids started sports. You know what I mean? I mean, so yeah. the seasons, the seasons change, but being willing to acknowledge that took a lot. It, it took, you know, yeah. um, it took a toll. And it took too, I think it took too long. Like I should have had indicators that I recognized a little earlier. 
but it it takes a lot. And then once you realize it, you can make changes. Yeah, definitely. So, and I think for me, I was such a people pleaser because of the way I grew up and it was almost kind of the way I grew up. Love was very conditional. Mm -hmm. And I think I kind of transferred that over to like leadership in the church. If, you know, and I do remember there was a couple of times I was like, I think I need a break. Mm-hmm. But I think that the same people that I was under their leadership, their thing was, yeah, I need a break too, but we mm-hmm. got to go win the loss and we got to go do this, mm-hmm. which is true. Mm-hmm. But if somebody is truly drowning, like drowning, that's where, and and unfortunately, sometimes I think if you're in that position that you are, you're drowning and you're saying I'm drowning. And if somebody says, well, can you just do this one last thing? Or well, I really, really need you to be here. I think sometimes they're drowning themselves. Right. So we're all going down together. Right. And at that point, nobody is doing anything for Jesus because right. we're so worn out. Right. And I think that's all the more reason why the leader has to be the healthiest one. Absolutely. Like it's it's an indicator for me when the leader is the most beat up one. Yeah. That he or she is not uh, in balance and putting the practice into place to exemplify for everyone else what some type of balance looks like. Yeah. And I think the greatest love for the body is for everyone to allow, insist, I'll say insist that the leader and the pastor finds and strikes a balance. Yeah. And it's in their marriage, it's mm-hmm. in their parenting, you know, that six, seven day a week coming to the church thing is no way you're having dinner with your family no. or meal if you're here every evening starting at 3.30. So that's yeah. just not real. Yeah. Um, and you don't need to bring all the kids to have the meal at the church. Right. <laughs> so that doesn't need to be the solution. So when we're seeing that, I think, honestly, as, as, a, as a member, when you see that happening, then I think the best expression of love is calling that out. And yeah. it's not pointing fingers. It's yeah. in love saying, if you're here, you're not there. Yeah. Let's just go with the basics. <laughs> you're yeah, not yeah. there. And yeah. there's there's magic in home in your home around your table. Yeah. Not having them here helping you serve every day. And and sometimes, you know, maybe it is a season, but I think that's the best way to show love to the leadership. Absolutely. Insist, insist that they have that balance. Yeah. And um, then they have the eyes to see that what, you know, what their support team is yeah. doing. Um, and so anyway, I, I think that that's the, the way to be optimal um, in service for everybody. It's funny because I didn't really learn that. You would think through all that, I will learn that already. And working for the pastor I work for now, him telling me, hey, you're leaving at this time, right? Hey, you're not coming in here on a Friday, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, he's teaching me that, and, and we were doing this book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. That book wrecked me. 
because I felt like I need to be going 24 seven or I'm just being lazy. Mm. When you come to find out, I, I am doing the worst disservice to myself and I can end up because I, I feel like we're only sometimes we're only one accident away, like someone passing away in your family or one day away or one problem away away from ending up into absolute desperation Mm -hmm. because we are such a society that goes 24 7 go 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 ministries that way everything's that way and if a crisis comes I wasn't spending any time with God because I was too busy working Mm -hmm. you know quote unquote for God that when crisis did come it knocked me out Mm -hmm. and about took me out I think I, I think that as y'all was talking, I was thinking about, you know, one, just the guilt of not going about the Lord's work. I think it's where everybody sort of get caught up in that, especially in ministry, yeah. right? Because you want to do good. You're trying to do good. But if you know like that story in the Bible where like Mary and Martha and I think either Martha or Mary, one of them got upset because one yeah. is sort of the guy's feet just chilling and the other one is running around like a chicken with a head cut off, cooking right. and cleaning and trying to make sure everything is good. Yep. Um, even though, you know, we hear that story all the time, but sometimes we don't really think it that we're the one that's running around right. doing all the stuff. Like, we don't really look at that. And I mean, not even when it comes us down to ministry, but just to be clear, that could be like anything that you're doing, right? Yes. Anything that you're yeah. doing that, that you find yourself not having any margin. Right. Yeah. Right. To Absolutely. just breathe and relax and assess when you are getting to a place where you're getting a little overwhelmed. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, because... I don't think anybody gets up in the morning and want to be depressed. You're right. I don't think that's a right. thing. You don't get up and say, you don't want to engage. You don't want to wash your hair. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to take a shower. I don't think that's what happens. I think it just gets to the point where one thing becomes two and two things become three and there are only 24 hours in a day. And then it gets to the point where you can't deal with all those things. And so you just mm-hmm. decide to deal with nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's when a crisis isn't happening. That's just your normal life when you have choices. For me, crisis is when something has happened that's out of your control that requires you to deal with it. So if you manage your life at 100%, using draining your battery every single day, you don't even (laughs) have time to sit on the charger. Yeah. Then when crisis comes, no wonder it knocks you on your butt because you're it, like oh my god you, you're like i think i can i think i can i think i can and it's like nope i sure cannot exactly exactly <laughs> and, and you're just looking like i would help you you know my heart i would yeah. I, I would help you if <laughs> i could get up out of here right and so i think we owe it to ourselves our family those we love yeah. those we want to serve to just establish a margin protect your margin yeah uh, so that you can stay at an optimal level for performance and performance is living your life because as as i age oh so gracefully i'm learning (laughs) (laughs) other people are watching how i manage my life Uh, my kids for one you know are watching how i you know and they make the decision i don't want that Mm, yeah I'm not planning to do that just based yeah. on, uh, you know, my energy level, my happiness, you know, things of that nature. So 
I owe it to those watching me in how I manage just my Absolutely. life because they are watching and they want to learn how to do it. Yeah. Um, the last thing you want them to say is I'm not doing that. And then they just <laughs> pick something crazy without an example, right. but they also want you to be healthy and happy. And yeah. uh, so we, you know, we have to take the responsibility to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Tracy, just to, just to get back. So do you, just to piggyback, I guess oh, something that Barbara was saying about watching um, learned behaviors. Do you feel like your coping mechanisms was based off your learned behaviors from your family when you was like sort of, you know, as you got older and did you just revert back to what you had seen? Um, you know, I do think that some of it is some of it, it some DNA, um, some product of your environment. I mean, it could be different things. So some people say DNA product of your environment or you stop the spiritual curse, you know, and I do think that some of it was because I remember growing up and I don't feel like we had a lot of crisis because our life was a crisis all the time. So there was never like this one moment where things were like really that bad because things were always bad. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, and there's so many things I was like, when I grew up, I was like, I never will do this and I'll never do this and I'll never do this. And kind of was shocked you know that I ended up in some of those things just like not being able to get out of the bed or you know just vegging out for days because I just I just could not function um so I think some of it is learned I think some of it too the enemy knows 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 where to get you if you would have told me a year before all that happened that my life was going to be that I would have told you I was crazy because I went through some hard stuff like I felt like I went through really hard stuff like what could be worse than your dad being missing for I mean you know and abuse and everything else and so I think you know I got to my adult life and was like phew look at me I've made it mm -hmm. and I kind of was the one out of my whole family like I was the only one going to church. I was the only one that, you know, there were so many things that I did not look like my family. And then I started really looking like my family. Mm. And I think that was another, uh, that was another thing. Like I'm looking around going, wait a minute. I know I chose completely different. I chose Jesus. Like I chose that, I chose him. How in the world am I right here? And it's funny because whenever I started getting healthy again, my family members were kind of like, they didn't want to talk to me for a while because I started getting healthy and, um, which caused more pain. But now looking back on it, you know, it needed to happen, um, I mean, I've got an amazing, amazing husband and amazing boy, and I serve an amazing God. And I am just thankful that I woke up and decided, no, you don't get my life. You know, God's got plans for me. God's got a call on my life. And I'm not, this is not the way I'm going out. And so, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think that's so fantastic. I think it was something you said, right? That sort of got me. It's like how we are so busy trying to protect ourselves. Like, you know, you try to cover yourself in one thing, not realizing you've left yourself exposed in this other area, right? Because you really didn't address yeah. the root of the issue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so then that's the thing that gets exploited, <laughs> right? Right. The overarching root, because there were still issues there. Like you said, you never dealt with the grief initially. So, yeah. you know, just the you know, hitting you one way after another and then the constant things and all those feelings sort of rush back, yeah. you know, on you, you know? Um, but even though I know right now we're talking about grief, I've experienced that same thing just with rejection, right? Never really dealing, dealing with it. And then one thing happened, I have all these feelings of rejection. 100%. I didn't even realize it was a thing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I didn't even realize it was oh, a yeah. thing. I didn't realize I was covered. I didn't even realize that. You know how you don't even realize that it's something you need to deal with because you just feel you're, you're fine. Right. You're fine. Yeah. If you yeah. wake up one day, you're not fine, and you yeah. got to go to a therapist to figure out what's wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think rejection is another thing because I've dealt with that so much. So, rejection and grief and everything else, it's like the devil just gives you a wham. <laughs> you ain't getting a break. <laughs> but yeah. Absolutely. A- absolutely. So, we, I'm, I'm going to twist it just a little bit because I know right now, you know, I know people are listening to us like, what in the world? This is like, it's just been hard and it has like we we don't we recognize the fact that it's been hard but we realize the journey is not over right Right. it's not over and today where are you today what does your journey look like today today I mean my gracious I I feel like oh my goodness I feel like almost I've been given like a second chance like I never thought Um, I never thought I'd work at a church again. Um, I never thought I would speak again. Um, I look at my life and the way it is right now. And I'm like, God has got so much mercy. And, you know, I'm not in a puddle like every day crying, but I continue to go to counseling. Like, I think counseling is huge. Um, I started along with that during the pandemic, the pandemic gave everybody some chance to be at home with each other, to see our family like 24 seven and deal with our smelly socks and uh, the house looking crazy because nobody's coming over for another five years. Um, But the coolest thing really happened during the pandemic. And I've always been plagued with so much anxiety like anxiety, depression are things I've always kind of dealt with anyway. And I think that was before, you know, everything went crazy, you know, whatever. Um, but so during the pandemic, my husband and I started doing puzzles and I thought we were going to get a divorce over a couple of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> joking, but still, I'm like, where is the puzzle piece? Like, did you drop it on the floor? Did a dog eat it? I don't know. So I had to change it over. Um, I started painting uh, trees. It's the craziest thing. I've always been obsessed with them anyway. It's weird. But I've never taken an art class. I'm not that great at it. Uh, But I started painting during the pandemic and I started posting them. And a friend of mine that was a photographer, he asked me, um, are you selling your paintings? I was like, no. I'm like, I'm just doodling. And he said, there's one that really speaks to me. You know, and he told me which one. And uh, he said, how much? I was like, oh, you can have it. 
no, no, tell me how much. I'm like, I don't know, $15? Because it was a, like one of the larger ones that I did. It's just a black and white tree. And uh, I met him and we met at a place like outside and was like, here's the painting. And he gave me like a hundred bucks and I'm going, you do not want to pay for that tree. I'm like, do you know me? Like, you know me. And uh, he said, no, I see healing in it. Oh, wow. And he said, it really spoke to me. Wow. And uh, then other people started asking me, like, are you selling your paintings? And I'm like, um, yeah, if you want to buy this one, it's like 15 bucks. And so everybody started giving me more money than I asked. Wow. So I started, um, my dad's name was Keith. And I started Keith's Trees of Hope. Um, And now like 50% of the proceeds go to help someone who cannot afford counseling. Wow. Yeah. So it's been really good. Well, that is is an awesome way to sow a seed into a healthy place that's helped you. And wow, that is is a a wonderful way for God to, to use a gift. And then for you to attach your heart, your heart, your heart yeah. and your passion to it. That's that's wonderful. What a yeah. good idea. It's been really awesome. I've been very just blown away by people's generosity. Um, if you would have there again, if you would have told me a year ago, this is something that I'm doing, I would just be like, there is no way I couldn't even draw a stick figure. And mm-hmm. they're not Picassos or anything like nobody's going to, you know pay a million dollars for them after I'm gone, I'm pretty sure. But um, maybe right now though, you know, it's been able to help some folks and um, working with a counseling agency in town. And uh, yeah, so that's been a, it's been a huge, I would say that also is just like a big old pivot for me. Uh, It's been really exciting and I've loved it. Wonderful. Look at, look at God, something you would not pick something you wouldn't pick and you're using a story that helps exemplify what the healing process can look like if you yeah. if you decide to face it. Yeah. Gotta face it and God yeah. will make a way. Absolutely. That's awesome. That is really, really awesome. So I'm going to tell you, I've checked out your art and I think it's beautiful. I think yeah. it is absolutely beautiful and I can understand totally why he said it sort of resonates because as I look, I see like a lot of trees are barren, but I think we've all had those moments. Yeah. Like we've all had those moments when it just like all the leaves were off and we were just standing, you know, just stand, you know, but still standing there. Sure. Knowing and believing that it's going to come back. Like everything is going to come back. Right. And I think that's the beauty of that whole thing. So even as I'm sitting here now, like just strolling through, looking at your art, I'm like, it is just so real. Thank you. It is so real. So I can definitely understand. um, And I'm going to have a link. in the description. Oh, thank but, you. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. But it's I, I can definitely understand why uh, you know why it is getting why people are now asking questions, right? Or wanting to have conversations about it and and wanting to do, you know, talk to you about it because it's just beautiful. So thank, thank you so you. much for sharing all of it. I, I would say that thank you for sharing all of it. Oh sure. Thank you. Um so I did have one question and I think this is, this is a little off, but I'm going to, I'm going to go back to it. And just because of the fact you said, when I first asked you about 
where's the journey now? You just, and you start going up to God's grace and you say, oh my God, you know, God is just, you know, his grace, God's grace is so great. So what do you say to that woman who's in the middle, who's still in that depression space, or now she recognized that, yes, this is really officially depression. Um, yeah. What do you say to her who is like, well, if God was so graceful, why did he let me go through this in the first place? Why did he protect you from all this stuff? Yeah, and I, yeah, I'll be honest, I've asked myself, you know, some questions like that, like, why does this happen? Why does that happen? And, um, you know, unfortunately, we live in a sinful world. Um, but I also think we go through these things. It does, it, it can sharpen you, but you've got to keep your eyes on God. And I don't feel like I went through all of this, it was painful, it was hurtful. There were days where it was just downright horrible. But I believe that my story can help somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I believe anything that the enemy meant for bad, that God can turn around for good. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite verse is John 10, 10, where the enemy comes to still, still kill and destroy. He's come, he's come to give life abundantly. And I think that's that thing I hold on to because I think sometimes we stay so much on the still kill and destroy that we forget the other part of it, that he came to give us life abundantly. And that doesn't mean just a little bit. That doesn't just a little mere little morsel. And I think it's getting on the other side of this stuff makes life so much sweeter. And I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful. And if I had to walk through all this, man, I wish not one more person would commit suicide. Mm -hmm. And if this story would help one person or one person to say, okay, she got out, I can get out, mm -hmm. then so be it. Awesome. So, Thank you. Thank you. Great. And I think that just still goes back to your trees of hope. Yeah. You know, yeah. just the there's, hope. there's hope still there in that moment. Yeah. And if friends are calling you and checking on you and getting on your last good nerve, pick up the phone, <laughs> go ahead and pick it up. And it does sting for a little bit. Like it's, it's hard. It's hard, but you're worth it. And one of the things that Every once in a while, I'll post something about suicide on my uh, Facebook. And my thing is always remember the world's better because you're in it mm -hmm. and we need you. And I feel like everybody has got something to offer. There's beauty where sometimes you don't think it's going to be there. There's beauty in so many things. You just got, sometimes you got to look. Right. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, I tell you what, Tracy, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I feel like this has just been such a, um, I don't know, I guess just like a, it, a hopeful, <laughs> hopeful talk. Hey. You, know, just, you know, I mean, and, I, and I thank you again for being so transparent. Sure. Sharing your story. It's, um, that's where, that's where the magic happened when we are all brave enough to sort of tell each other our truth and yeah. then start to connect with one another. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for having me. It, it truly was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much.